everyone. Welcome to the Scouting Pancake Podcast. I'm Jason Ackerman. Uh, this is a little special podcast. I just decided uh, to do this because we got a lot of good questions on Instagram over the last couple days. And uh, I've never done a podcast, just me, so we'll see how long this lasts and if it's good. Um, so a couple housekeeping notes to start. Um, first, I was on a podcast with Ali, uh, Papa John of Eat Drink CLT, and Jess uh, Hodnett of The Sweet Soul. Um, it was the Paper Trails podcast by Albemarle Paper Company, or Paper Supply, and you guys should check it out. It's a fun um we talked a lot about the Charlotte food scene, and it was a good podcast. So if you go to albemarlepaper.com and find their podcast, they're also on iTunes. Um, so check that out. Uh, another thing, um, I haven't asked people in a while, but I'm just I'm in an asking mood today. If you haven't rated us on iTunes, now's a good time. So just go to iTunes, leave us a five-star review. Now don't. Nope. Don't go there and leave a one-star review. That's not what we're looking for here. <laughs> we're looking for a five-star review. And the reason why we ask for that is because it shows up higher on the podcast and more people can listen to it. So go rate us on iTunes. The other thing that I announced on the Instagram this week is I moved the back end of our podcast hosting to, from Squarespace to Anchor. So what does that mean? Um, basically, so we do uh, our websites on Squarespace. Could not recommend Squarespace enough. Super easy, great, does everything we need. Um, but the podcast was a little complicated because it basically only linked to iTunes, and then you had to kind of do a bunch of stuff to get it to all these other places. So Anchor just basically allows you to post directly on Anchor. It goes to all the feeds that everyone basically listens to. It goes to 7 or 8, which is most of you are listening to. Hopefully you're listening to this. That means it's working. <laughs> if it's not, then uh, I messed up. Uh, the other thing it allows us to do is it allows kind of on the back end, um, it sends out the numbers to more sponsors so sponsors can see you and if they want to sponsor stuff. It also allows us to take money from listeners. So if you love the podcast and want to go and donate 99 cents a month or $5 a month to us, um, that would be great. I'm really trying to get the podcast, uh, I want to do a little more production value, maybe some videos. Make sure it's sounding good. So anything you give or any sponsorship we've ever gotten has gone directly back to the blog and to the podcast to make it um, better for you guys. Because um, we'll get to the questions in a second. But you know the reason why we do this podcast is because we love eating and restaurants and Charlotte and the Charlotte surrounding area. So we just want um, we want to provide some entertainment value to you people. So. That's all I'll say about that. So let's get into the questions. Okay, first question uh, from Miller Yoho. He just asked why, because he was being a dick. But I'm going <laughs> to turn that into why do we do the podcast. And if you don't know Miller Yoho, he does the Charlotte podcast with John. Can't think of John's last name. Um, which is a cool podcast. You should all l listen to it because it goes. it's very detailed about Charlotte. So if you want to know what's going on in Charlotte, they interview the mayor, they talk about the Hornets, a lot of cool stuff. So go listen to them too. Uh, we were on there once, and that's when I said Kindred wasn't good, and we and I got written up on something about that. So that was crazy. Uh, but why do we podcast? So the reason why we started the blog and why we started the podcast was because you know we love restaurants, and I've loved restaurants since I was 
really young. Um, I think there's just a magic to going into a restaurant and sitting down and kind of everything. It's a bunch of chaos. People are running around everywhere, but somehow you get, um, you order something and it shows up on your plate and you eat it and it's good. And that's, uh, that's, there's always been some magic to that that I've really loved. Um, and one of Yvonne and I's hobbies is eating at nice restaurants. That's what we do when we go, when we travel, we try to go to at least one super nice restaurant. And then we like to eat at all the other little restaurants too. And I'll kind of talk about the differences in a bit. But, uh, so when we were kind of first, really when we got engaged, when we first started dating, um, I took her on some trips and she had never really traveled as much as I had. I, I've done a bunch of traveling, um, because I've been lucky enough that my parents, um, sent me when I was in high school abroad, uh, on some summer trips and I studied abroad in Italy and I did a bunch of traveling when I was a student. So I, I got to travel all these places and Yvonne didn't. So part of the fun for me was taking Yvonne to these places that I had already been that she hadn't been and seeing like the, her like excitement about it and her, uh, her amazement at these places and and part of that you know at this point i had a little more money you know when i was 20 i couldn't afford a 300 per person restaurant but luckily enough i have a job where i can afford that now so i started going to some of these restaurants with her and we really liked it and i wanted to document you know what we had there how we felt about it in the moment that's why the blog started this was in 2015 and then um a few years later we just i don't know if it was me or Vaughn, but we were like we should start a podcast and just talk about our restaurant experience. It's just we were eating out so much in Charlotte. We would go out two or three times a week to different places, and we always were trying new places, and we wanted to talk about them. So we started that, and then we had some chefs start listening, and then they wanted to come on the podcast, and then next thing you know, we have all these guests that are awesome. So what's been the best for me and what I really love about it is we've gotten really to um, know the Charlotte food scene the restaurant community and got to know them and become a part of it and that's just for someone who loves restaurants and to be able to go to restaurants and talk to the chefs and understand what they're doing is just really cool for me so that's been the reason why I do it and I love talking with them because chefs are a weird breed I don't know if you know this but they're like being a chef is a really tough job first of all you don't make a lot of money second of all like you're getting rated on literally everything you do so you, if you even have like, uh, you know, you send out something that's not even bad, but the person doesn't like it, they go on Yelp and do a one-star review. So they're always getting negative feedback all the time. And it's, I, I feel for that because what they're doing is, I mean, food is at, at the chef level is part art. You know, it's a lot dependent upon how the chef was feeling that day, but also how the customer was feeling that day. And when they came in, were they in a bad mood? What did they eat before? Um, do they understand what they're eating? There's a lot of things that have to go right for the for the customer to understand the experience. And a lot of times they don't. And that's why they get bad reviews. And then I, I can, like, that's why I could never be a chef or be in the restaurant scene because I would just go insane about all these bad reviews all the time. So I feel bad for them. And I, but they, they, but deep down, they're all good people. Like when you talk with them, and Charlotte has a great restaurant chef community. I mean, with Piedmont Culinary Guild, 
and they really help each other and they help the community and they're trying to make the community a better place. So I really like that about Charlotte. I like, I think that's not just Charlotte. I think that's just a, re- a chef culture and a food restaurant scene culture because you're there to serve the client. It's a service industry. So I love that. And I love going um, and talking with them and going to the restaurants. So it's been a real honor and pleasure to get to know them. And uh, I think also too, what's great about Charlotte right now is we're kind of on the cusp, I think of something great. And by what I mean by great is um, I think we're going to get some national recognition soon. I think um, I think our food scene is actually very good, especially in the last five, six years. Like from where we were six years ago to now is incredible. We've got great restaurants. Um, and I think we're just going to continue to improve. And as Charlie gets bigger and bigger and bigger, it's a lot harder. You know, there's going to be more people in the food scene. It's going to be harder to kind of know everyone. So I what's been really cool now is kind of to see Charlotte mature into, um, I wouldn't say mature, I would say evolve into a different type of food city. And that's been cool to see. So long answer to why we do the podcast. All right. Next question. What happened to Yvonne? This is from Tatspud. Really good question. Tatspud. Um, so Yvonne just, she, it's more of a mental health thing. She just gets very, self-conscious when she says stuff on the podcast and even though she's never said anything bad she just gets very self-conscious about it so she just wanted to step back for a while um and i totally understand that i'm just i don't really care what i say uh so um so that's why she's not on here she still does the instagram a lot we haven't really done the blog that much just because we haven't been able to go out to restaurants i did one at catbird seat because i went there in nashville but uh Hopefully, you know, hopefully this year we'll be able to go to more restaurants and then be able to actually write them up and get the blog really fully back and going. But Yvonne's great. She's doing great. Um, She got a bonus at work this week, which we're very proud of her about. So her job's doing great. And uh, she's we're out and about eating all the time, too. Um, Obviously not going out as much, but um, we're still doing everything we always were. Obviously, COVID has cut back on that a little bit. But once COVID is over, she might pop in and out on the podcast and start back again, too. I know a bunch of you miss her. I miss her on the pod. Because honestly, like, who wants to listen to me? All right, next question. And some of these questions, I I posted them yesterday, and then they went away. So I don't remember who wrote them. So I apologize for that. Um, where do you eat in Rock Hill slash Fort Mill? Okay, so we moved. When I moved back to Charlotte in 2012, I, well, first of all, I lived with my parents for six months. And I was like, I'm going to save up some money and not uh, pay rent. And then I'll buy a place. And then my mom just drove me insane. I was like, i got to get out of here. So I bought a place uptown a little sooner than I wanted to. But so I lived uptown from 2012 until 2019 when we moved to Rock Hill. And I was a little nervous because I didn't, you know, I was, I went from New York to living in uptown Charlotte. I wasn't sure how I was going to feel about Rock Hill, even though that's where I worked. I grew up in Fort Mill. Um, But we love it here. It's so great. I mean, the type of house you get here compared to what you get in Charlotte is you get a lot more for your money. Plus, we're right off the interstate. Literally, it takes 20 minutes to get uptown. So we still go to all the same places we used to go to. Not as frequently because we don't go out as much, mainly because of COVID. But we still go a lot. And uh, I will say that there's not as many good restaurants here. But that we do have some. So I'll mention a few. 
Counter with a K just opened um, downtown Rock Hill. That's from the people that uh, did, they were attached to Wooden Robot um, Craft with a K. So that that's really good. That's in downtown Rock Hill. Um, we've got Flipside, which we love. They've got two restaurants. They have a Italian uh, sister concept, uh, Salermis, Salermos. <laughs> I'm turning into my dad. Uh, that's in Fort Mill. That's good. Spice, which is in Kingsley, um, in Fort Mill, is really freaking good. It's it's not all Thai, but it's Thai and other types of um, that part of Asia food and that's very good so we like that the ditzy pig which is a barbecue place in rock hill is very good um that's kind of it <laughs> i'm sure i'm missing a few but we've got some good stuff um so don't be afraid to, oh and there's a food truck that i've wanted to go to that uh tim tim tokyo told me about that kenti Eats knows a guy that apparently makes really good fried chicken that I'm dying to go. And What the Fries is always down here on their food truck. So we've got a good food truck thing here, too. Um, and I'm sure I missed others, so I apologize. But we're not in the food wilderness here. We do need a Whole Foods or Trader Joe's. Um, I will say that. But other than that, we've got some good stuff here. Um, oh, we have a good Indian place, too. I can't remember their name. But they're really good, too. <laughs> so I'm sure that helps you find them. All right. Next question. Favorite sushi in Charlotte? This comes from Elizabeth Thompson? M. Poon? That's her Instagram handle. Uh, I'm sure Yvonne knows her. So, favorite sushi. The I think the best one is Musashi, which is in South Charlotte. Uh, it's either in Pineville or right on the border. That's very good. I would say after that, um, I have a soft spot in my heart for Roussan's. I, I, I love Roussans. It's like old-timey Charlotte staple that I love. So those are probably my favorite, too. I've been in New Zealand Cafe a few times, did not like it. But it could have just been had some off nights. So those are, those are the two sushi places that are my go-tos. All right. Next question from Strong Vegan Chef. Big fan. Hope you've been working out. You look good. Last time I saw you with your beard. Uh... What does hospitality mean to you? With all these places that you've been, what's the best example? So, a few years ago, um, when Greg Collier, Chef Greg Collier, was at uh, Loft and Cellar, he did a little event, and he asked this question, like, what makes a restaurant good? And he asked, is it food? Is it atmosphere? Is it service? Is it um, uh, beverages? Like, what, what makes a restaurant good? Um, and I think that's kind of the magic of a restaurant is it. there's no, like, tangible answer to this. And I've thought about this a lot. Like, what makes it so good? Like, I'll give you an example of, like, you know, it's not necessarily any of those. Because if you go, like, one of my favorite places we ever went, we went to this barbecue place in the middle of nowhere, Texas, in this small town. And you literally walk in. And it's just like a, a, a fire. They're making barbecue and there's just plastic, you know, everything's plastic spoons, plastic forks, plastic tables. You, you order at the counter, you just sit there. And that was so good and just had like a magical vibe to it. And I wouldn't say that the service was that good or 
the atmosphere was like incredible but the food was amazing and it just had like a vibe it gave off a vibe of something cool and other people might not feel that way so and then you go to you know i think the place that had the most magical experience to me is noma and i've talked about this a million times and i've honestly it like i don't want to sound like a dick but you just walk in noma and it's, there's just something like it's just there's just something magical about it and i think we have like i think bardo has that feeling for me too in charlotte like when you walk in there you're like there's just something cool happening there and you can't really put your finger on it and you can't you know it's not like well they have graffiti on the wall and they serve it this way and they have this it's just kind of a combination of everything that goes into how the vibe feels um and actually for strong vegan chef no that wasn't you so never mind but a, a place like this that kind of has this for me in charlotte is little spoon so little spoon i don't know what it is about it but the service there is fucking terrible <laughs> the food is sometimes good sometimes not good but for some reason like we want to go back there because it just has this vibe of like I, I can't even explain it but it's just interesting so it's really hard to put that down and i don't think you can manufacture it i think it's part of like the culture and the way you serve food and uh like i don't think you can go into a concept and like say like i want to create this amazing vibe like you have to create it like you can't plan it like obviously there's some stuff you can do like the food has to be good like you gotta have the um you know, the atmosphere and the vibe be good, but it, it, it's not one thing or another. It's not like you can hang a chandelier and then boom, you, you're an amazing restaurant. So I think that's what's really cool. What's really magical to me. I've said magical a million times, but what's really cool about restaurants to me, is just that magical thing when you walk in and, and the restaurant has it or they don't. And sometimes a restaurant can have it one night and they don't have it the next night. It could be there's something magical about this place, and then you go back and you're like, why did I like that? So that's the cool thing about food is it's constantly changing. You know, ingredients change, uh, the chefs change, the they put a little more salt on something and it tastes different. So that's just that's why I love restaurants so much is it's it's really it's it's like a it's like a comedy act <laughs> like like sometimes something lands and sometimes it doesn't. So, hope that kind of answers that. Um, what's the most disappointing dessert course at a fancy tasting menu you've had? This is from JB Palmieri. So, I talked with Yvonne about this because she is the dessert expert, the dessert queen. And we both agreed it was 11 Madison Park. And I'm just, I pulled up our write up on 11 Madison Park so I could um, remember what it was. And so we actually asked for so that you got to choose the dessert you wanted it was kind of a choose your own adventure situation and they actually brought us three because we're like we love dessert so much so they brought us a donut that was cranberry and pear filled with mulled wine ice cream which sounds amazing but it just didn't like the donut just you know it was one of it kind of tasted a little old like it didn't have like it wasn't a good donut <laughs> so that was the problem and then they had a butternut squash tort with sarsaparilla ice cream um, and pumpkin cake. 
And that, like, it just, the tastes were off. But what was amazing there, and what's they're famous for, they do a chocolate-covered pretzel at the end, and that was very good. <laughs> but the actual dessert courses let us down there. Yvonne also says that Austria Francescana, with the Oops, I Dropped the Lemon Tart, disappointed her. I did not feel that way, but I'll just put that out there because she felt that way, and I think, you know, her opinion is very important on this podcast. So you all should know that. What do you think about all the pop-ups happening in Charlotte? Chris and Wow. Okay, so this kind of gets to COVID and what hap- what's like happening during COVID and the food, um, where food is. Because food obviously was hit hardest during COVID because literally you can't go to a restaurant for a long time and now it's capacity and people are scared. So like, uh, and, and like I've talked about half of, the experience of eating is going to a restaurant and you just don't get that by doing takeout. But the places that have really succeeded during this are obviously the places that tend to do takeout well. And that happened to be the fast food places. They were already set up for that. They've done better than pre COVID because no one's coming into the restaurant. It's all drive through and they can figure out their operations so that they can just process food so fast and get it to you. I mean, look at a Chick-fil-A line. Incredible. So places are doing well. The pizza places that people think about for takeout have done super well. And places like the big chains that can do their own apps and create their own um, technology behind it have done super well. So that's, uh, but that's really made our local scene kind of suffer because you know a mom and pop store can't develop an app they have to go on doordash and doordash you know causes cost them 30 percent whatever the percent is it costs them a bunch of money to do their delivery through doordash and they're just it doesn't taste as good because they're just not set up for that so but what we have seen is we've seen all these pop-ups come up which is kind of at the local way to combat this. And I think that um, the one that does it the best is Chilitos or Chilito without an S. That always confuses me. But they've just, first of all, what they've figured out, they figured out a, a market that Charlotte didn't have. So we didn't have breakfast tacos. Um, I'm sure we did. I'm sure some restaurant did. So don't come at me and tell me we had that. But there wasn't a place that people knew about breakfast tacos. And there's so many people moving from California and Texas. And this was a staple of their breakfast there. Like we think of biscuits for breakfast. People from there think of tacos. So they had this market and a breakfast taco is, um, it keeps pretty well on your way home. You can literally buy it and eat it in the car, which is what I do. <laughs> and, um, it's not super expensive to make and you, and, and you make a few different types and what they figured out, which was super smart, is they have, you know, they, they all, they've been doing it on the same day every week. So Saturday mornings, you know, you can get your tacos. You have to order them Thursday. So it, and it's all done through Instagram. And it's all kind of a mystery. Like, when are they going to sell out? What are they doing? Um, and then they do like random pop-ups too. I think that's an ingenious business model because it takes away your rent overhead it takes away your um, food costs that you you don't have any food waste because you know exactly what you need to prepare and what people are going to order and you already have them prepared when they come they literally drive around and pick it up 
So I think that is an, a very good business model. Not just, and I think we're going to see a lot of restaurants kind of go to that um, until we get. I don't think the restaurants are going away by any means. I mean, people have to eat, <laughs> and uh, people love going to restaurants. So restaurants will come back. Uh, but I think this model, especially when you're starting, instead of just trying to get a brick and mortar place and get your, you know, that creates a lot of costs. It makes a lot more sense to rent a space for a day or two a week, make your stuff there, have a drop off location until you know you have a following. And then maybe you do a, a brick and mortar later. But still, I think um, I think that's the way to go. And I was actually talking with someone about this and for some reason chefs feel like in order to become legitimate you have to have a brick and mortar restaurant and um i don't think that's the case anymore i don't think you need a brick and mortar restaurant i think Cholitos has proved that like um they sell out in two minutes every day uh so i and as a cpa from the financial side i think it's very smart that's what i would be doing i would try to figure out niche markets that um that are easy um, for people to take. They're easy to pre-make and um, ready for people to basically take and eat in their cars on the way home. That's what I would be. Uh, that's what I would be trying to do if I was an entrepreneur and a chef, trying to figure out those um, ways. And then eventually, like once you get a following, then you can either have two pop-up locations, or then maybe you do a brick and mortar. But uh, and, and I think that's and this is in no way like Chilitos tacos are freaking delicious like it doesn't work unless the tacos are very good so the tacos are very good if you look at what Mashuguna is doing um he's opening a brick and mortar now but like his pop-ups they're delicious too so but but I would say the key is you got to do it very consistently so Chilitos every week you know every Saturday you know obviously they take some off for holidays and stuff but for most of the part every Saturday and it's on the same day and the same time so people know when it's going to happen if you do it sporadically and you don't know like people don't really know when stuff's happening because there's so much information going on like it's hard to know like everything but if you know like Thursday at 9 a.m. I gotta order my Cholitos then you're good so I've been very happy to see these see kind of the ingenuity of this and to like no one was doing we had pop-ups but it was more like a pop-up meal like no one was doing pop-ups to go like that i'm sure i mean obviously people were but like it's really taken off during covid for obvious reasons and i've been really happy to see them um the big question <laughs> and i forgot who asked this because this was yesterday what do you think charlotte is missing so i don't really think charlotte's missing anything I think we could go, um, I think what's been really cool over the last year is we've got two high-end restaurants now, Bardo and Counter, and you need more than one because it takes two of them because they kind of compete against each other and they make themselves better. So if you look at what, um, the, since Bardo went to a tasting menu, and I went to the tasting menu last week and it was delicious, um, just what they've done since Counter opened up in September and what Counter is doing there with their high-end tasting menu. Like, we needed two really good restaurants that 
if you went to one of those and you went to one of those similar ones in Chicago or New York or San Francisco, you'd be like, this is the same. This is good. So like our, our top end quality now is very good. And I think that's, since we have two of them and they're kind of making each other better, I think that's going to really help us on the top end. We've also got um, kind of the, uh, and, and I want to, because I've been thinking about this a lot too, um, you know, what makes a restaurant good? And like, how, because, you know, if you go to counter, it's a tasting menu restaurant. It's very good and it's fancy. But how do you compare that to Ali and Louise, which is not a tasting menu and they're not trying to, to be that fancy, but Chef Greg Collier is amazing um, and his food is amazing. So how do you compare the two and how do you rank them? And like, is one better than the other? And like, is a tasting menu superior? I think a tasting menu, what I really like about a tasting menu is it allows the chef to do what they want to do which is kind of counterintuitive to when you go to a restaurant, most people are like, they want to order what they want. Um, and I think that's obviously serves at place. And, you know, sometimes you just want a specific thing and you go to a restaurant for that. But I think what a tasting menu does is it allows, um, you know, the chef gets to pick and you get to open your mind to different things that you'd never try. And when you try those things, then you might be like, oh, I didn't know I liked beef tongue or whatever. And then you try different things and it opens up your palate and just opens up your mind to different foods you have. And I think that's great. So that's why that's why tasting menus are important. Um, it's hard for people who don't or aren't familiar with tasting menus and are grew up, you know, going to... Uh, Olive Garden and Red Lobster and those were like special occasion restaurants to go to to like then want to spend $150 each and go to counter or a bardo and try a tasting menu and try really small plates and trust that you're going to like it. I, I think more people are obviously open to that because bardo and counter are doing very well. Um, so and Leon Louise does a lot of cool stuff too, but you're obviously ordering from the menu and there's probably stuff on there that's really good that you don't try because you're scared or you don't know what it is. So a convoluted answer around that is it's hard to, and I've thought a lot about rankings and like what a ranking means and all these chefs that are trying to get like Michelin stars and what does a Michelin star mean? And it's really hard to nail down exactly what it all means. But what it means for Charlotte is we've got two really good high tasting menus. Then we've got like kind of um, right behind that, you've got the Stanley's, the Lee and Louise's, um, Soul Gastro Lounge, Fudo Buddha. Uh, I would put Fine and Fettle there. Um, maybe dot, dot, dot too. Um, I'm sure I'm missing some, so if I miss them, I apologize. Uh, but we've got a lot of those uh, secondary restaurants that are very good too. Um, and then we're starting to get the, uh, on the very bottom side, and by bottom I mean like takeout, like a Cholitos. We're starting to get those places where you can get really good fast food cheaply, quickly. So th I think that is the, sign of a really good food city is where you have 
you can get a good meal at every price point, at every range. So you can go to the super fancy places and have an amazing tasting menu. Then you can go around the corner and pick up breakfast tacos and have an amazing meal there. Um, and then you can go to kind of a middle of the road place where um, like the Leon Louise kind of the middle price point and have an amazing meal there. So we've got that. What I think we need from Charlotte is we need the investors and the chefs to believe in themselves and to do concepts that they want to do and not what they think Charlotte wants to do. Um, I think that's a big issue that people are, you know, we've got a million Italian restaurants opening up, which is fine. Uh, I understand it. But, uh, and if you really want to do an Italian restaurant, that's great. But we don't need a million Italian restaurants. We need what you're passionate about. We need the Jewish deli that that Rob's opening up. And we need, um, you know, the Thai Northeastern lobster fusion place uh, that you some guy whose parents were Thai moved to New England and now they're here. So a Southern Thai New England place. Like, we need those. So um, we just need more of that. And I think we're seeing it. Like, we're seeing the... And, and it comes from, like all different places but it definitely comes from the investors like believing in that and then it comes from the higher end like we're gonna see people that worked at counter and worked at bardo go work at other restaurants and take their what they learned there and they'll start different concepts and we're gonna see a blossoming of the charlotte food scene so that's my long uh answer to i think the charlotte food scene is in a great place i think we can go get good food now there's always stuff that we're missing. Like, um, I don't think we have like a very good um, deli place, but that's okay. Like you go to you, all the big cities are missing stuff like that. Like you go to New York and they didn't have good Mexican food there for a long time. So uh, like, it's just you're not gonna have everything. Um, and I'm very happy where Charlotte is right now. Most awkward dining experience. This came from somebody else. Uh, I don't remember their name either. So I went to Catbird Seat in November. I was in Nashville with um, on an accounting little conference. I have maybe 10 people that I like text with that are around my age, and we all met up in Nashville um, to like discuss business. Um, and when I knew I was going to Nashville, I was like, we have to go to Catbird Seat because Chef... Sam Hart told me that was one of his favorite restaurants in the country. So I texted them and I was like, are you guys down? It's $200 a person. Um, if you're down, I will book it. So everyone decided they wanted to go. And we went there. And this is uh, nothing against accountants. I'm an accountant. But there were eight of us. Two of us had been to like tasting menu restaurants before. Six of them have it. And then of those six... Uh, Four of them were open-minded, like, I'm going to give this a shot. And the other two were, like, CrossFit people who, you know, super into working out and watch really carefully what they eat, which is totally fine. <laughs> like, nothing against that. But, like, uh, they just had never experienced, like, I don't think they had salt on their, on anything they had eaten in three years. So they thought everything was super salty when it was just, there was salt on there. And they just complained about every dish that was coming on and they also like you know they were at they asked like 
a bunch of questions, which is fine, but it was like the questions that were embarrassing. <laughs> like, what's a tasting menu? Why is it so small? Like, you can you can't order what you want, like <laughs> stuff like that. So it was super awkward for me, and uh, I wrote about it. If you want to, I kind of talk more in depth about it on the blog, so you can read about it there. Um, Cabaretit was amazing. I want to go back with Yvonne and just us two. But that was definitely the most awkward series. I will not do that again, especially with eight people. Like, maybe you could have one that's like that, but if you have two that are sitting right next to you, so it was me and another buddy who had never been there but liked it, and then the two who didn't like it, and that kind of made it awkward for me. All right, last question, which is from Rob Clement. Worst food since COVID began. So what I have noticed when we've been out to restaurants since COVID is it seems like they're using, you know, they're trying to cut costs in ways and um, the ingredients aren't as good in some cases. Like it doesn't taste as good and it's clear that they're using like, or they're trying to make things go farther than they were before. So that's been the biggest disappointment when you go to restaurants that you've really loved going to and then you order a dish that you like and it just doesn't taste as good as it normally does and you're like, ugh. Um, but I get it because it's COVID. So that's why that, that's a big reason why we haven't done a lot of blogs. Um, we didn't do a top 30 ranking or top 25 or whatever because I just don't think it's fair to rank restaurants. Um, uh because it's just it's COVID. It's a time like we've never had before, and it's especially affecting restaurants. And I don't think it's fair to to do a top twenty five when uh, it's just a mess right now. So hopefully next year we'll be able to come back and do that again. A couple restaurants I was just thinking about that I really like that I didn't mention before that we have been to. So we went to Mama's too a few times, or Little Mama's. It's called Little Mama's. Uh, that is really good. Talking about Italian restaurants. that We really like that. I like Peppervine. We've been there a few times, and we really like that. Um, I'm trying to think. And obviously, like, my go-to. So places I go all the time. Maybe I should talk about this. I go to Yafo all the time. I go to Lincoln's Haberdashery all the time. I love Lincoln's Haberdashery. Um, Batchmaker, before she closed... I would go there and pick up cookies all the time. I go to Laurel Market, which is the best little deli that we have. It's not a Jewish deli, but it's um, they do little breakfast sandwiches. I think they're Guatemalan. I'm not 100% sure. Uh, so if they're not, I apologize. But they're so good. It's on um, Providence and Laurel, I think, uh, whatever street that is. But you guys should all check that out. That's really good. Um I love for fast casual. So these are like stuff like I'm picking up for dinner and stuff. Um, I love Capiche. Capiche I think is really good. I go to Sweet Lou's Barbecue. They have the best brisket I think in town. Um, I pick up from Goodyear House a lot. Um, and I'm sure I'm missing somebody. So I apologize. But those, and I, I do Cholitos at least like, at least twice a month. And I'm always late. And somehow they, like, fit me in. Um, so I thank you guys for that. I think that's it. Man, I'm tired. It's hard talking to yourself. Um, 
now I see how the big uh, people do it all the time. It's crazy. So hope you enjoyed it. If you're still listening, God bless you. Uh, we'll be back next week with some guests. We've got a lot of good guests coming up. Um, I will say, again, rate us on iTunes. Five-star only. We're a five-star podcast. Stallion five-star pancake. So go rate that. Um, check out our new Anchor site. If you go to just stallionpancake.com, click on the podcast, it'll take you there. Make sure you're subscribed. If you're not subscribed on iTunes or wherever you listen, subscribe. That helps our numbers, and that's very good, too. And keep your questions coming in. DM us on uh, on Stallion Pancake to see, uh, and we'll, we'll, we'll do some of these. If we get a lot of good questions, we'll post them. So thanks for listening. And, uh, oh, by the way, I record the ukulele thing live every time. Um, sometimes I'll, like, mess up a note. Sometimes it's not on purpose, but sometimes it's so you guys know that I'm actually recording this. Because um, I'm not sure the legalities. I've always wanted to do... So I have two songs I really want as a lead-in. I want um, Hanson's Umbop. That's like my number one goal. And if you were an early listener, I wrote them and asked if I could use it. I never got a response back. I don't know if there's a statute of limitations on that. Um, and the other one, I'm not going to tell because I'm working on that one too. So I just play the ukulele until we can get big time. And that's why I need this money. You guys need to go donate 99 cents so I can hire a lawyer to write Hanson an official letter to see if we can use Umbop. If that's not a good reason to, to donate 99 cents a month, I don't know what is. All right, everyone have a great week.